Welcome back to Bricks and Clicks. I am not Johnny. I am not Colin. They are in the booth with me, though. I'm Lucas Walker cutting the intro, and I'm going to turn it over to Johnny and Colin very shortly as we talk about rising tide prices, not rising tides with climate change, but literally tide laundry detergent is increasing prices. What we can extrapolate from that, and what the hell is Campbell's doing with their broth tails? Johnny, Colin, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, thanks, Lucas. Great to be here again. It's great to have you introing us. Yeah. I take it we didn't make the cut from last week, so it's good to have you back in the crew and out I've of the booth. Thousands of intros at, at this point now. If, if this whole podcasting thing doesn't work out, I'm going to see if maybe I can contact Vince McMahon and, and just cut some promos for the, the WWE. I don't want to get in the ring, but I want to work the mic a little bit. I've been hearing a lot of compliments about your voice. Some of my uh, dear family members and friends who have listened to Bricks and Clicks. And they're very impressed with your voice. So it's great to have you part of our Oh, team. my pleasure. I just had a bunch of audio hitting. So I'm going to turn it over to you while I figure out my, my sound setup. But one article that's been kind of circulating in a, in a lot of the different places is how the cost of Tide is going up. So I'd love to jump into A, why those costs are going up, and B, what the impact is for the rest of the the market. And I, I read a few speculations, but I'd love to dig into your your insights and experience just because I, I cut promos and you analyze POS data for for thousands of, of SKUs across many, many weeks and way more data points. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys to, to talk about that. Great. Yeah. I mean, go ahead, Colin. I know you've been in the middle of price increases recently and we've been analyzing it a lot with our customers. So Yeah. So honestly, I didn't read the entire article, but I definitely saw the headlines flying around the other day. And I think that started, as you said, with P&G or the news coming out that P&G was going to be raising prices on some of their products, uh, most notably the laundry detergents. The tone of the article, if I recall, was that they it was kind of a, I'm not going to say nasty, but headed in that direction, saying that P&G was, I think the implication was that there was price gouging or something because their earnings look good right now and they're taking prices up. And so I think kind of what I wanted to chat through today was, is this a bad thing? What's actually going on here? Because I know... As we know, things in this industry can be a little bit weird when you just get the headlines and then try and parse what's going on. And so- Not transparent. Yeah, yeah. You get the headlines and then you got to kind of put, connect some dots to see what, okay, well, why did this actually happen? And so like inflation is the big topic today. Obviously, no one's happy that costs of things are going up. And we kind of touched on this last week a bit, but at the end of the day, costs of inputs are going up. And so these big CPG companies are watching margins decrease as cost of goods increase, and it's not clear when that's going to stop. If inflation carries on for a few years, this is going to just keep going. So my opinion on this rising tide price issue is that this is a necessity. Costs are going up. They're going to keep going up. These big CPG companies are primarily passing through the costs that they have seen come through and probably building on a little bit more of the expected cost increases. And so they're just trying to get to a position that they're not going to go bankrupt or have to take out a bunch more debt because we want to keep buying these products. So the companies we buy them from need to be in business for us to keep buying them. So I don't see this as a bad thing. I think it's just part of the natural inflationary world that we're in right now. And I do expect that eventually earnings will come back to a more kind of regular position. But right now, companies are just protecting themselves, putting them in a position that they can operate 
until things become more certain and less unstable. Yeah, and I think this is all happening too in the supply chain. There's been a lot of talk in the news about the supply chain issues, right? And Colin kind of hinted at that, hey, it's cost across every link. And so we're going to talk about that at some point in this podcast is all the links within a supply chain where it takes to get from ingredients to manufacturing, to your warehouses, distributed to the grocery stores, and then out the store. There's a lot that goes into that. And people, I think, blame COVID or, hey, this is a COVID problem. I think it's always been a problem. COVID just accelerated it and kind of there was no margin. There was no margin for error in these supply chains. And then with COVID happening, that kind of accelerated everything. And really, there's just all these issues popped up. And when you have all these different linkages in every transaction where something could go wrong, now things are going wrong. We're seeing the supply chain fall apart. And so that's where the costs are needing to uh, to help that sort of the supply and demand side of things. Yeah. So maybe you, I mean, this might be a good question for you, Lucas, being not as ingrained on the brick and mortar CPG side. When you see an article that talks about like the price of Tide going up and P&G's earnings going up, what are your thoughts on that? Or what's your kind of average customer view on that? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. I, I read so many articles that I can kind of see the trends of where it's coming from. I think mm-hmm. that fuel costs are one, especially with liquid detergents or even powders. It's a heavy product to ship. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to have to eat a lot of those costs. Same thing with packaging. I know we talked about it on another episode with breweries and aluminum cans and, and that shortage. Mm-hmm. If they're getting most of their packaging from China or overseas and it's stuck in the port, and that's also going to, to backlog their supply chain. And then finally, the labor costs at a lot of the grocery stores and, and retailers where the products are being bought. Mm-hmm. With a product like Tide, where it's just so so synonymous. I mean, it was was Tide that started the phrase soap operas because that's when it was advertised. Mm-hmm. And it's just a product that everyone knows, everyone has, has it in their house. They're going to be so, so set back where... Uh, an increased cost of pennies per unit will have such a huge impact to them that, and this is a better question for you, I think, Colin, where they have to kind of figure out what their prices will be 12 or 18 months from now so that they don't have to keep trying to raise prices with their, their retailers. At least that's what that would be my guess of, of why they're doing it. Uh, and then I also read in the article that it said, there's it's kind of an indicator that people aren't pushing back on the the price increase so i think that could lead to sort of other price increases as well almost like a canary in the coal mine of a sign of what's to come mm-hmm. i think that's that's happening right now speaking from experience with the, the manufacturers and brands that colin and i work with pretty much every single one has announced a price increase in the last 12 months and a lot of them have announced them in the last six months their q4 was when they were announced and they had to sell that into the retailer and everything we're hearing, a lot of things we're hearing from these retailers is that every brand is coming to me with price increases. So I'm not going to push back on it that much. I'm going to pass that on to the consumer. So it seems to us that that's where we're living in it right now is all these decisions that were made, call it in Q4 of last year, where these brands took price increases. Now that's flowing through and hitting the shelves today at retail. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing that come up. Typically in the past, prior to COVID, when you were to do a price increase, it was a big deal. It's always a big deal, but it was a really big deal. And you had to almost go to battle with the retailer in terms of asking for justifications, coming in, there'd be negotiations, pushbacks. It was just a really, really big deal. And it's still a big deal today, but it just seems like it's a lot easier. And the retailers are kind of just sort of giving up being like, okay, I'm going to take the price. I'll accept this price increase. I just need to make sure that I'm seeing my competitors raising their prices in the marketplaces that I sell my groceries in. Yeah. 
The other thing, like, obviously, these articles are written to get clicks and likes and reads. So it's always good to remember that and the the more shocking headlines, right, to get the clicks. So, of course, the thing that was focused on was, I think, earnings per share in their in their last quarterly reports. When you go and look back, I've actually got some financial statements from P&G up right now. And also, we don't work for P&G. Yeah. We would work for P&G. So plug out there for Omnium if any CPG brand people or any P&G brand people are listening. But when I look back at the financial statements, like their cost of revenue or cost of goods sold in like 2019, pre-pandemic, they were at about a 51 margin. So 51 pennies of every dollar that they sell, they get to, to fund their operation. Now they're actually below a 50% margin. They're at like a 49.7 margin right now. So we look at it from that point of view, they're, they're spending more as a percentage of revenue on cost of goods than they used to. Mm-hmm. And they've already taken price increases. So it's pretty easy to see what they're what they're trying to do. They're trying to get their margins back to where they would have been pre-pandemic so that when the pandemic disappears and revenues slow down again, which I think is the assumption going in there, right? Then they want to be back in a similar financial position they were pre-pandemic, which from that point of view, I think is just responsible business management. Yeah, they're trying to cover their costs, right? Exactly. That's, just, that's what they're trying to do. And price yeah. is one lever. You, I mean, you have a couple of levers to pull if you're trying to cover your costs. You can... Maybe go to a different sourcing for your ingredients, figure out how to negotiate your freight rates, whatever that is. But mm-hmm. the main one is to take that price off and see if you can mm-hmm. cover it. Yeah. So it comes with the trade-off. I mean, that's the big thing, right? You raise your prices, you'd expect to see your sales decline, your unit sales decline, mm-hmm. um, because they're up higher. And that, I think that's the big problem with inflation. That That's a shame, is, right? You're going to go up. It means less consumers can afford. Maybe they can only buy five instead of six, or they're not mm-hmm. going to buy that. They're going to go to a private label brand. That's the risk, right? And that's the the big problem that consumers face with these higher prices and how they're going to spend their money. So it's all exactly. trade off. Yeah. So I think the article itself was a little bit clickbaity. Uh, would be my point of view, trying to get people kind of upset at the big companies who made some more money. But yeah, I, when I look at it a few different ways, it, it seems like they're just doing what most companies are doing right now, not out of greed, but out of business continuity and stability for them and their stakeholders. Yeah. And you hope, I mean, I'm sure there are companies out there that are doing this that agreed, which yeah. is the unfortunate piece, right? I mean, that's just that's just the, the shitty side of the business part of it. Hopefully, most of them are doing it out of, at least the companies we're working on, they're trying to just cover their costs. And another piece, too, that we can we can touch base on is the out-of-stocks, right? There's a lot of, in the in the media right now, about bare shell. You can't go in and get meat, mm-hmm. or you go in and you're, the product you really want is out-of-stock. And that's gotten a lot worse, too, which is also a function of the supply chain. And not being able to afford the proper ingredients or the labor because you're running out of labor so you can't manufacture it or there's not enough truckers. I mean, there's just all these different pieces at play that are impacting that shelf. And you hope if you can get your margin, get your price up to cover some costs, you can get that sorted out as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there's more problems to solve. There's more resources that need to be put towards these problems and takes dollars to do that. So. These yeah. companies I mean, are trying love to, to pay themselves. truckers a lot more, right, Colin? Exactly. Be as an ex trucker. <laughs> we, we would love to pay truckers more. And the we real answer is we need, we need more people to drive trucks. Yeah. Which is, we need to pay them more, right? That's how you're going to get more of them, right? That's, yeah. You're going to attract and make it more attractive and continue to drive down there or pay people on the on the manufacturing lines. Because mm-hmm. now they can choose, right? I mean, we've, we have a couple of clients where in some cities they have various brands and the, the workers are good for them, right? They're just hopping around to the highest paying job and switching mm-hmm. every whatever 45 days. And you'd love to be able to just pay them a lot more and make it stable and say, hey, you, you come work for this manufacturer on the line because you're making a really, really good pay. It's really good conditions, all the, all the great things about a, a company, but you need to have the margin to be able to do that. Yeah. 
the question that I don't have answered is like, I don't think anyone has this answered is the cost of product is going up because yeah, we need to pay people more. We need to pay suppliers more because just cost of goods is increasing. Are the wages keeping up with the price increases? Yeah. I think the answer right now is no. How do we fix that? Right. How do we get wages up to a point without getting cost of goods up? And that's the, uh, the tricky part. I think we're seeing some areas where a lot more work from home and opportunities there to do higher paying wages that typically would only be available in certain areas without having to commute is is one way that it's going. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, that's just a segue into my last point of with more people working from home, less people are going to hotels. I think that that could be a reason as well where now Tide wants to sell smaller units of their other detergent and people are buying more of the smaller units. I remember when the pandemic first happened and all the restaurants were shutting down things like onions and a lot of um, raw ingredients for restaurants are a lot harder to divert to grocery stores than people think because they're packaged completely different customers don't want to buy, buy 20 pound bags of onions that you have to sling over your shoulders. They want individual or three pound units. I mean, Colin bought big jugs of flour though from a food service type when the <laughs> pandemic started. So he took advantage of that. I don't know if he's still yeah, working buying, through all that. Buying 125 pounds of flour at a time. Yeah, the big, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he used it and all. I, I ate it all. He did it all. <laughs> didn't waste any of it. It was amazing. <laughs> you said that like a punchline. You, uh, do you remember the the bread bowl commercials, the Tim Hortons? And then I ate the bowl. And then I ate the bowl. <laughs> um, so I think that's sort of the last thought on that. But yeah. uh, we, we have one other important topic to talk about, which started in in a group chat, which was the these new cocktail recipes. Johnny, do you want to tee it up? Yes. So my brother sent me a link asking if I could explain or we could explain Campbell's new marketing campaign, I think in Canada only right now, and they're called Campbell's Broth Tales. And it looks like their media campaign is around trying to sell their their ready-to-drink broth, but mixing it into various cocktails. So making like a Negroni with Thai chicken, Thai chicken broth. And Billy's, can you explain this? And I guess my first answer is no, I can't explain it because I'm not a marketer. I think it just draws to some of the things that Colin and I see when we're working with various companies. We talk about investments is sometimes marketing can get a little wacky. They try different ideas. And that's certainly where this came from. I'm sure they were looking at trends about, hey, what do people like? We want to sell more bra. And then you get in a room and you just brainstorm different ideas and you come up with this, which is fun and exciting to be able to invest in marketing like that. But the part that we always caution with this type of spend is managing the expectations. So what do you build into your P&L? around, hey, we're going to invest whatever million dollars into this marketing campaign around Campbell's broth tales. We're going to go on Instagram and all our copy and content online, right? And in-store and all these activations. That's a lot of money they're going to invest. And what do they put in the P&L for that? So they're going to say, hey, we're going to invest a million and we expect this to increase our broth sales in Canada by $5 million. They might put that in, the, in their plan, right? And I would, and I'm sure Colin would as well, would caution them not to put that much volume into the plan no. for that million dollar spend. Uh, what would you put into the plan for that if you were advising Campbell's column? They're going to spend an incremental million dollars they didn't spend before on this? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say the up, upper bound would be a half a million dollars. What we typically see is that these these types of directly engaging the consumer more on, on social media or even at shelf sometimes for shopper marketing activation, say they top out at about 50 cents of incremental top line for each dollar you spend. And it's probably not going to hit that. Now, yeah, I'm good. 
I take the under. Yeah. Yeah. I would too. If I had to put a number to it, probably like 300,000. Ah, yeah. Maybe less, maybe 200,000. But the thing yeah, with these is, is like, like a reverse yeah. auction. This is pretty soon. They're going to be paying them not to run this. Like I got 40 bucks of cash in my pocket. If I buy some, some lunch, can we just not do this? Yeah. So the thing but, to remember with this is like, yeah. if, if there's any marketers or shopper marketing folks listening, it's, it's hard to compete with like trade promotions. And yeah. it's, it's not reasonable to expect that some of these marketing activations are going to return the same. And it's not, it's not usually the goal of these. Like exactly. when you're doing a, an activation where you're talking directly or consu- to your consumers with this new kind of use case, it's more about talking to your consumers, less about getting them to buy the product and more about building brand awareness. And whenever you're building brand awareness or trying to target consumers, those activations are necessarily because they're more complicated and targeted. They're going to be more expensive than just running a TPR with a retailer. And so that's the expectation. Just know we're trying to build engagement with our loyal consumers. We're not just trying to pump a bunch of incremental units. The expectations is, is the key, right? And we talked a little bit about it last week in terms of, hey, if we got raised $75 million, what we, we go spend it on? Yeah, we'd love to spend it on marketing. But we wouldn't build our plan off of that. That's the key, right? Don't mm-hmm. build your plan off that because it's not predictable. It's just really hard. I mean, maybe you get some awesome marketing activation that drives a ton of incremental sales, but the vast majority is going to be like the numbers Colin was talking about, where, hey, you spend a million, you're going to get $250,000 in incremental sales. But it's still fun, right? It looks cool. It's an interesting concept. I mean, it, it gets that. people talking about it. Yeah. The other thing yeah. is it gets like, we're, we're talking about this as consumers, but it gets buyers and people yeah. at the retailers more excited because and you need something to talk about with them. And when you go in and talk about your new brand activations and look at all the support we're putting into broth, that does help you. Um, I believe, get acceptances to get your broth on shelf, maybe where you have some voids. Well, especially yeah. if you're serving cocktails to the buyers made with the product that you're trying to get on shelf. That's, exactly. Yeah. If they taste little, good. If they taste good. It's fun. It gives yeah. you something to talk about with buyers. It gives you something for, to talk to your consumers about. So that's really the reason for doing this as opposed to just cranking out some incremental sales. Yeah, because you could quickly get a return on that million dollars if you're able to get two new SKUs into Kroger. Or something like that, right? If you're selling to Kroger or Walmart, if you can get all those distribution points, which is which distribution is the most important sales controllable, right? We continue to talk about that. If this helps you make that sale, then that's a great, it's a great marketing campaign. Yeah. And with the amount of data that's available now to, to go in and ask for $2 million worth of budget, I would say looking at the data, there's a direct correlation around broth and cocktails around the holidays. So it's nice to kind of piggyback that trend. More and more people are cooking at home, but maybe they don't necessarily know that you can use your broth to cook rice, pasta, anything else like that. So you want people to get it in the homes and use it a little bit more. It's almost like price anchoring, but emotional anchoring of saying you can drink your broth. It doesn't have to just be be drinking it cold out of the fridge. You can make a cocktail and do all these kind of cool, crazy things with it. And then also, if you're trying to grow the organic TikTok following, especially with a new generation that thinks Campbell's is only for grandparents, then it's a way to increase that organic reach before, well, TikTok is still cheap for ad spend and there's still organic reach versus Facebook and Instagram and that ad network that's going to be far more expensive to reach the same audience. And then if you can go to Kroger and say, hey, we've overlapped our our influencers with yours on, on Kroger promoting your loyalty program, why don't we run a campaign with these 50 influencers, these mixologists, white label their ads and say that these mixes are now available exclusively at Kroger. So I think it gives a few more arrows in the quiver 
to to be able to go into those buyer meetings with with the grocers and also just make Campbell's a little bit more relevant amongst people who aren't thinking about buying broth, especially for for drinking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So hope that answers your question, Bill. Thank you for that one. <laughs> well, I think that, that is a good time as any to wrap it up. Johnny, Colin, what are you guys working on for the rest of the quarter and throughout the year? Ooh, it's account planning season here soon. So a lot of getting ready for account planning and, and starting doing that. Our big thing is just trying to, a lot of our clients right now are dealing with PA issues, the supply issues. So how can we help them manage that as best as possible so they can get their top products to the grocery stores, to the consumers um, as reliably as possible. So that's a lot of the things we're working on. Very, very good. That outro music means it's time to wrap up. Make sure you're following on Spotify. Make sure you've subscribed on Apple's and always, always, always leave a review. I know that Johnny is constantly refreshing, looking for kind, positive words of reaffirmation. So leave those Apple reviews for him. Wearing sevens on your sleeve, I just can't even-